welcome to Play on K, the Korean drama podcast with Emily and Raquel. And this is a show where we take a K-drama, we watch it four episodes at a time, and then we get together here every week to talk about it. Yeah, this week we watched episodes five through eight of Mr. Sunshine. Oh my god! It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> I feel like I've watched 40 hours of this show already in the best way. Yeah, like in a really good way where there's so much information constantly uh, and there's so much happening and there's so many moving pieces and every moment of it is so good. There's so much content. It's like zero fluff. A zero fluff show. Yes. And the fluff they do have is very visual and not time consuming. There's no content fluff. Or I guess, like, I don't know. There's no wasted lines. If someone's talking, it matters. Yeah. Oh. So I did end up getting Jason to watch this to start it with me. He's, I don't think he's watched a K-drama since we moved away and watched them with the three of us. Like, he's never watched one with just me. He's pretty obsessed with it. <gasps> really? Yeah, we've watched it every night this week. Oh, I'm um, so happy. It's pretty fantastic. I'm also very happy. Oh, I it's now just I such want a good show. I want him to just be on this call all of a sudden. I know he's working. <laughs> he's a busy man. Um, I want him to be here so we can just enthuse about it together. Mm-hmm. I did we not do get that a lot. My boyfriend to watch any more of it with me. Oh, no. It's not that he seemed opposed. Let's see. Where did this drama begin? Episode 5. That feels like years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. We met no, the you... fiancé. Okay. So, okay. This is one of my notes. I did take notes. Lis hey, listeners. I took notes. <laughs> uh, not We're a so lot. Proud. Not a lot, but more than five. Ooh. Um, but, uh, yeah, I actually wrote down that I don't, okay, I don't think he's as bad as I was expecting him to be. Mm-hmm. Is he great? Meh. Sometimes. I like that he seems to be the only mostly carefree person in this show, but also carries a lot of guilt, you know? Yeah, I like that there is a seriousness to him. They really could have made him more of a caricature that was constantly, like, carefree, the rich boy who doesn't take life seriously. And they kind of hinted at this with the conversation with his grandpa before he left for Japan, that his grandpa was like, I can see that you are very smart and a person that cares about other people. And that's why I'm skipping your father and you are in line to take over my position, whatever that may be, when you return. And I really feel like those first few introductions to him just made him more of like the, the hateable guy. The guy that you wanted to really hate and you're like, oh, he's just a gambler and like a rich boy who doesn't care about anything. But then we get into these four episodes and especially with the bromance that they're creating, with the, like, three frenemies, the three boys, that you're like, oh no, I like them all so much, even Hui Sung. I can't hate him. Yep, that is stressful. Also, it's stressful seeing the bromance break down be before it even gets to start, uh, kind of over something a little bit stupid in the sense that it's not like... She's leading all of these men on. She has told right? two of them that she straight up, like, wants nothing to do with them. Yeah, she's made her choice. Everyone else, yay. Yeah, y'all need to chill a little bit and just be friends. What if, hey, hey, boys, what if we were all friends? <laughs> <laughs> One of my notes is also about them all meeting and uh, Hina giving up the freaking info as soon as possible about uh, Hui Xiong being Asian's fiance and I called it the 
let's see, three men, one Asian, Korean, Japanese, American standoff. <laughs> oh, Hina knew what she was doing. She's going to yep. cause she so many more conflicts. Yep. She's going to get someone killed, and she doesn't even care, as long as it's not the boy she wants. Yeah. I don't blame her. Yeah. She's tactical. She's doing what she wants to do. Getting hers. Did you kind of lose your mind when we found out that Hina was uh, Lee Wan Ik's daughter? Yeah, what the what? What? There are some dramas where, like, Everything is, like, interconnected, and you're kind of like, okay, the world is a bit bigger than that. Not everyone needs to know everyone. And there's some dramas that do that same thing, but they do it so well that you're just like, yes, I needed Hina to be the bad guy's daughter. I don't know why. I just needed it. That's such a cool twist. Hello? Yeah, because you don't... Even though Hina is definitely conniving and has her moments where you're not she doesn't feel like the best person you she's so likable like it's so exciting to have a character that's just so powerful in her own way in a world where women weren't usually powerful mm -hmm. and she's not afraid to wield that power and it's fantastic and I love her and then to find out that she is the daughter of King Conniving it makes so much sense in a way because she's obviously better than him, but it just, it's such a good connection to be like, oh, she comes from a situation that she didn't like, but I can see where she learned how to uh, play the spider, you know, uh, work, work her power from the background. Yes. Oh, it's so cool. I love that there's this implied he maybe killed her mother and at least she's missing and that's like super sketch and then maybe Hina killed off her husband and it's like oh I'm sorry are we selling off our daughters now because uh I've learned by example how to get out of that situation sir it's like oh dark <laughs> Hina that's so dark I love it like hey sir don't even try it. Don't even try it. If you sell me off, I'll just kill my husband. I've seen you do the same to your spouse. Oh. I learned from the best. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. She's amazing. She's such a good character. They're doing such a good job with character connection and character building. And, oh, hey, what if this was my new favorite drama? <laughs> What if we made, like, a big, weird U-turn that no one ever saw coming and a historical drama was Raquel's absolute favorite drama? We can never watch anything but historicals, and they all have to live up to this standard. <laughs> Haley, Evie, we're coming for you. <laughs> in the best way, as in, yeah. like, we're joining you. Yeah, Haley, Evie, do you want to come hang out with us and we'll all just watch historical dramas always? Because I finally get it. <laughs> I see the appeal. We watched our first one and it's amazing. Um, There is a storyline with Sergeant Sudo of the Japanese army that's just kind of bonkers. And I don't understand how he's going to keep being a character. Right? He is really working. I thought he was going to be such a one-off moment of hating him when he first assaulted Aishin, and then he just keeps coming back and getting worse. Yes! That's what I love about this show, is that it, they keep bringing characters back. They, they're not letting anyone be a one-off character. There's top of the head, that guy, Sergeant Sudo, and the geisha... That he drags into the street. It's like Su something. It's so who? So Sua? Sua? I think it's Sua. Maybe Soa. Soa. I you think. Know, you know, I just don't know. It's Soa, yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Good memory. Soa. Yeah. Soa uh Domi is that his name? 
The little boy? I don't know. The little boy? He has a name, too? Oh, my mm-hmm. God. Yeah, it's one of those things where they're not doing any one-off characters, but sometimes I wish they would, just because I, I'm so <laughs> tired. Can we just call it the geisha and the little boy? Like, they don't need names. Come on. What's really unique is they got a little boy that looked just like Eugen when he was a little boy, to the extent that Eugen didn't really see himself as a little boy, but I understand why he keeps getting confused and seeing himself in this child, because they are the same. I thank you, because even re-watching it for the second time, I was like, it takes until they do the flashback like, they're showing his face, and then they flash back to Eugene as a child. It takes that long for you to be like, oh, that is a different guy. I would almost believe that it is the same child, like, a year later. And they were just like, let's postpone production for the next year while this kid ages. So that you can't tell he's quite the same kid, but you know <laughs> it's exactly the same kid. They got brothers yep. to play these kids some little twinners some little i mean it has to be brothers because one is clearly older but still not that so much older. similar yeah i love it it's a very good and i like that it's a very emotional kind of twin moment where they also have the twins with the pawn shop owner and the interpreter that is endless comedy that yes. is so funny. Not emotional, just perfect, just comedic perfection. Where these two, but they don't even like, like to we see use each the other. Same joke? <laughs> yeah, no. They hate each other. They hate that they look alike. But they're like, can we use that same trope in a very serious way over here? Yeah, where uh, you can't help but see yourself in this little boy, Eugene, because he pretty much is you physically in every way. And then just, you know situationally as well yes the talent the writing talent for this show unbelievable unbelievable um one other emotional moment that i just we might spend a few moments on this we might spend the rest of the podcast on this but it was (laughs) such a meaningful moment that i actually want to bring it up kind of early in the episode so that we don't miss out on talking about it and it is i Noted it as the sobering moment at the graves um, when he's visiting where his parents' bodies were dumped. But my favorite part about it, obviously that was a beautifully emotional moment that I was really grateful for because it was the first time that adult Eugene has really given himself time to grieve and that we've seen so much emotion coming from him in one moment because he's a very, he's not an emotive guy. Yeah. Um, His smiles are a blessing, but they are few and far between. (laughs) And his tears, it turns out, are also kind of a blessing. Because we all know how much I love it when a a grown man shows emotion. I do. I'm here for it. Let men Mm -hmm. cry. And so that was very beautiful. But what I really loved about the scene is when he is talking to the gunner. Gunner, is it Gunner Jong? Mm Mm-hmm. And he is finding out that that grave wasn't the grave of a little girl. And it was actually the grave of Gunnar Jong's father, who was killed by Americans. But then he points out just across the way that there were others killed by the Japanese on the other side. And then he points at the hill that eugene just returned from and he says oh and that's where the slaves uh bodies were dumped and it's emotional because i think well it's emotional obviously but it's more meaningful i think because eugene kind of has this hatred for korea based on how he was treated and his social status and his parents being murdered uh as slaves by the owners of slaves And they, which is heartbreaking and so frustrating. And I would have hatred for a culture that allowed something like that to happen. And I would absolutely turn to a place uh, like America that, that, I mean, it was kind of also happening. But let's be honest. But um, it wasn't kind of happening. It was fully happening. But it wasn't 
he grew up there at a time when he could rise through the ranks and become something like American nobility and return to a place that is very different, but he clearly is prior to that confused to why Aishin wants to protect it. And all of a sudden, it, it's so clear. It's like, well, no one's innocent in this situation. Like, Americans murdered innocents, and Japanese murdered innocents, and Korean murdered innocents. Like, it's... Everyone's doing murder. Really. Yeah. Uh, so maybe your hatred is for a, not a whole culture, you know? Not a whole country. But maybe it's just for the people that didn't treat your parents like humans, just like Gunnar Jong's hatred was for people who didn't treat his, who killed his father. And now he's trying to take down people that threaten Korea, outside forces that threaten Korea. Yeah, I think it's an interesting, like these two characters are so interesting together because I do think they both hate the hierarchy that exists in Korea and they want to overthrow that part of the system but there's a big part of them that wants to save Korea and wants to see it be better they don't want to see it destroyed and sold off to all these different countries they just want to see a different kind of Korea than anything that they grew up in and I don't think either of them know what that looks like and know how to do that they're just gonna keep fighting until it can start to happen same with, in a way, but not in a as much of a constructive way, Dong Mei was also hurt by the Korean hierarchy, but his way of dealing with it is so much more aggressive and not trying to save anyone or anything so much as just make sure that he holds the power in the situation. Mm-hmm. So just that one's interesting, live his too. own life. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, we can get into it more, maybe in the bonus episode, but I do think that's a really interesting part of Eugene's storyline, and I'm curious how historically accurate it is that a Korean immigrant could rise that high in the ranks of the army. Like they that showed... kind of feels like the most fantasy part of all of it. I think Yeah. at the time period, it doesn't feel... Um... And I could be wrong. I, I would love to be proved wrong. I just don't have that much faith in history and um, how people have always treated people that looked different from them. So Yeah. The rest of the show in America pretty well exemplified how poorly he was treated in America. And then they're like, and he joined the army and things started going better from there. You're like, okay, American propaganda. <laughs> um, I don't think so, but Seems wrong. like they, the first thing that made him want to join the military was seeing a black man march along the ranks with the rest of his battalion, and Jason was like, oh no, like <laughs> they could have had the the group of white men walking in front, and then the battalion, the much smaller you would assume battalion of african-american men walking behind in a in a separate group but as for them all marching together it's a bit historically optimistic yep um, historically inaccurate but optimistic yeah <laughs> so i don't know but i yeah i think that's the only fantasy part of the show but it obviously makes Eugene's story a lot more interesting. And because he was able to rise so high in the ranks in America, whereas he might not have this deep appreciation for the democracy that he touts to Aishin so much if it were a bit more historically accurate as to what an immigrant's experience might be like. Yeah. Yep. Why did I bring down the mood like that? No, I think it's important to acknowledge, honestly. Like, it's not as funny to talk about for sure, but we sometimes try our hand at talking about serious things. Um, and I think usually we, we belly flop pretty hard, but I don't think it should stop us from acknowledging 
how terrible history was and how terrible white people historically have been to, you know, just anyone who's different from them. And then um, I also think it's important to acknowledge that, like, America specifically uh, had its problems that they very optimistically... I mean, that's how I think people want to look back and assume it worked, for sure. We all want to, but it we're not doing ourselves a service by actually looking back and being like, and that was America in the 1800s, because it is not so. <laughs> Can I also say something that was not America in the 1800s that Jason pointed out I didn't realize until he said... But in the first few episodes, and I guess even until now, they go back and forth between New York and Korea. And I don't think I put together how ridiculous that is. <laughs> that they have to go either around South America to the Arctic, because Jason was like, the Panama Canal was not invented yet. So you got to go all the way down and then up the Pacific back to Korea uh -oh. or or <laughs> over towards India and around I'm not super good at uh, sea navigation but you know across the Arctic or the not the Arctic the Atlantic mm -hmm. so they arrived and he was like Okay, so they're in San Francisco now? And I was like, no, that's the Brooklyn Bridge. They're in New York. He was like, no, it's not. <laughs> I'm sorry. He would be dead. That would be like a three-month journey. That kid did not survive that many days. I was like... In, in a crate, just being handed, like, water and food periodically by this weird white guy that later adopts him, sort of, but very reluctantly. Fair. Fair. A little bit, if we're talking about historical inaccuracies, how did they get to New York? Hmm. Huh. Huh. <laughs> Anyways, that's fine. <laughs> what else happened in the actual show? Um, so what happened in the show? Oh, uh, the very last note I've written. Oh, no, there's two more notes. Um, since nice. we're talking about race right now, I do just want to talk really quick about one note. Um, this actually could fall under historical inaccuracies. Um, so this fits in really well with what we were talking about. The first I'll go with is the historical inaccuracy because I found it hilarious. He straight <laughs> up says in English in the 1800s, pointing at a woman who he doesn't want to deal with and says that woman is a weirdo can we talk about the word weirdo oh. i don't know its origin or when it came about but it feels like it's very unlikely that anyone was throwing around the term weirdo even to describe a racist bitch yeah that seems like a 90s slang but maybe that's just my millennial pretentiousness that's like life started when i started but i thought weirdo was a much more recent term honestly it feels like at the earliest it could have come around in like the 50s at the earliest and we're Someone not there hit yet us up and tell us <laughs> if 1905 weirdo was the term to use yeah because dang because dang this man is a freaking innovator, if not, you know? Like, he is, he is coming up with words. She's weird, but, like, not just she is, she has weirdness. She owns weird. She's a weirdo. <laughs> I just made that up. Everybody use it. Yep. Oh. Um, yeah, and then he was talking about the worst character in the show. Um... Holy cow. I I mean, that's the kind of um, attitude I would expect people historically to have. It was just hard to watch her be so terrible to the Korean people. And then when he straight up tried to stop her and he was like, you can't harass and assault the Joseon people. She said, no, I can and I will, because they're animals. And that was the worst, 
Ooh, I hate people so oh. much. She deserves to die. Her, yeah. Ooh, I hate her. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm hoping she's a one-off character. Mm-hmm. Can we make her Mrs. one-off? Logan, get on out of here. We don't want Logan you Taylor. Here. Is that Logan his name? Taylor. He's got two first yeah. names. Yeah. Mrs. Logan Taylor, get Mrs. out of here. Mrs. Logan Taylor, get on out of here. <laughs> I, I can't with you. Oh, Ugh. it's so cringy just to think about it. But, okay, I will say the English in this show is cracking me up, like, mm-hmm. kind of in the worst way. <laughs> it's a bit much. I just, yeah. it's, uh... I've kind of reached the point where the only person I feel like they should be allowed to speak English is Eugene, pretty much, is the only one who, when he speaks, I'm like, wow, your acting is impeccable no matter what language you're speaking. Because when the white people speak English even, I'm like, oh, shut them up. Shut them up. I can't. I can't with them. It's, And sometimes it's fine and it's not really noticeable. And then other times they're like so bad was Mm. it these episodes okay i'm gonna be real with you i watched an episode ahead i think for the first time in play on k history (laughs) i watched an episode ahead you had to know i had to well i had to stay on jason's schedule he's a busy man and we're trying you and i are trying to yeet through this series as fast as we can so I think it was in these four episodes where they're about to smuggle Soa out and Moore is talking to Eugene and he's talking about the poem that he's writing and I feel like their conversation was so normal and like pretty down to earth about like, Eugene, I just want you to keep your head on straight and make decisions that are good for yourself and good for your country and I know that sometimes you're not sure if your country is America or Joseon, and I can accept that. Just, like, try and make the right decisions as much as possible. It's, like, a very normal, nice conversation. Almost starts to get emotionally deep. And then he's like, and I'm gonna write a poem about this. And the first line will be, Eugene, keep your head on straight, yank. And the last line of the poem will be, being deployed to Joseon was a picnic. And I'm like, I'm sorry, are we talking about poems in the same poems that I'm familiar (laughs) with? It doesn't help that, okay, so chronologically, like, real life speaking, we are recording this days after the United States inauguration of our president, Joseph Biden. And there was a poem read at the inauguration that was beautiful. Had It had me personally in tears. It was a lovely poem. And then I've been thinking about poetry for days since then. Just, you know, just like really reveling in poetry and the art of words. And And then we've got Kyle Moore coming in here. And, you know, I guess everyone's an artist now. <laughs> Mr. Moore, can I talk to you about what a poem is before you keep growing? Because what you're writing is a short story at best. Even then, maybe not even a good one. Not but maybe... it's definitely not a poem. No. Uh-uh. It feels like, yes, a short, a weird short story. You weirdo. You weird... You weirdo. <laughs> Eugene's gonna call you a weirdo if you keep using English in the way you're using it. It feels like you've never spoken this language before, and you're just kind of throwing things together. I don't know what's happening. Why do you talk like this? But yeah, I guess, uh, don't learn, hey, hey, Shin, don't learn English from Kyle Moore. That's the takeaway (laughs) here. That's the takeaway here. I don't know. Don't learn anything from Kyle Moore. I still don't really trust him. I don't either. I can't fine. tell if it's because he was a bad guy in Descendants of the Sun or <laughs> if he Probably. is going to turn bad and I can just sense it coming, but I don't trust him. I feel like he's a good guy through and through. I think he's like a really good man. 
I just think I don't really care about him. I don't connect with him at all, and I'd be fine if he wasn't in any of the other episodes. Yeah, he's pretty good comedic relief, at the very least, because when they were having their face-off with the Japanese army, which I think we were going to talk about earlier, and then we got sidetracked by all by talking about one-off characters. Um, but when they were having their little standoff with the Japanese army, because the weird... Uh, the weirdo who wants to pick a fight with the American legation. Cool, I guess, but bad idea. Yeah, how could you not think that that would start a war? How, like, also, how, how are you, like, 18 and you have command over your own regiment? Right? Holy cow. Um, But yeah, Kyle, at that point, was kind of making me laugh when he's like, what's up with mm-hmm. these guys? Are you going to go mm-hmm. with them? Hey, Eugene, do you want to go? <laughs> You want to go on Eugene, a walk? Are you going to fight these guys? Are you going <laughs> to fight these guys? Hilarious. Perfect. Perfect. And I feel like he really, this is why I think he's good, is when he was smuggling Soa out. He didn't have to do that. He could have been like, Eugene, that's a real mess you've got yourself in. Don't, don't do that. But instead, he's like, I'm going to take this donkey and I'm going to travel halfway across the country. Just to drop this girl off on a boat. And he, like, jumps off of his horse and he's like, Excuse me, sir, why do I, an American, have to be stopped like this in the night? And you're like, that's all you needed to do is just be yourself more. That's your cover. (laughs) Just be your obnoxious American self. And I love you in this moment for all of that. It's so good. Yeah, I think he's a good guy. You're right. He helped smuggle someone out of the country so that they didn't get murdered by some other people. And that feels right. That's good. That's nice. <laughs> he didn't have to do that. He's playing to his strengths uh, in those moments, too. Yes. Okay. Sorry, Major Moore. Mr. Major Kyle Moore. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Major Kyle, <laughs> Kyle Moore. But if you didn't want to be in the show anymore, that's okay, too. Yeah. Um... But, yeah, I really, I think that's why this show is so good at their one-off characters, because Soa could have just had that scene in the street, maybe even also the scene where she's talking to the rebellion, the righteous army, and she's like, thank you for all that you've done for me, and they're like, cool, we're gonna smuggle you out of the country, and, like, that's the last you see of her, is knowing that she was smuggled out, but instead... She comes back, and for another scene, she makes Kyle Moore a better person. And that's that's a storyline I didn't know I needed. But I'm grateful to have the... Hey, hey writers. Thank you. Thank you. Well done. Sorry we trashed on your English poem. <laughs> uh, no take backs. But, yeah, Tsudo. We'll get back to that. Remember how he almost started an all-out war? And again, how is this child commanding all of these people to march on the American embassy? You're not allowed. No. Why did no- Why did literally no one stop that from happening? Like, he had a friend there that did say it was a bad idea, but didn't really- He was- I guess being a bro, I don't know, he was really supportive of it, to be fair. He didn't not go. Yeah, Sergeant Yamada was just like, ah, let's best not, and then followed him. Yep. Um, so, it just seems like maybe a hothead couldn't have made it that far up the ranks without getting in trouble at some point, because it's buck wild to me that they marched on a freaking American legation and aimed their guns at them, and still it took a lot- I mean, he j- he was still there, like, obviously what happened set him off later, but- <sighs> What? How How is he- Hey, stop putting irresponsible people in charge of people bad guys that's the thing there were not there were not even consequences because yamada died for that he died for snitching whereas freaking pseudo is just like oh i should apologize and then he apologizes and then gets off scot-free no that's so Mm -hmm. dangerous don't let that boy out on the streets again i don't i mean i guess that's 
that's dramas these days. That's dramas these days. Put irresponsible dumb people in charge of things. And then, you know, don't give them real consequences until it gets really bad. Let the hoodlums run wild. And they'll cause some more drama. We already have a love pentagram to focus on. Can we not have pseudo running around? Jeez Louise, this love pentagram. I'm... <laughs> I'm not good with shapes. I should call it a pentagon, but it feels like we are <laughs> cursed devil. with this. <laughs> it I feels feel like... like Satan himself invented this. Yes. A love square, I can deal with. Love triangles aren't my favorite. A love square, I can make some room, I guess, when you're as hot as Dong Mei. Come on in. But when freaking Hui Song is good, like, I'm going to be the last point on the Pentagon, you're like, no, Pentagram. Pentagram. Here it is. <laughs> you are making this awful. You are making this a blight on the show. There are too many people in love with Aishin right now. Yeah. Girl, hey, hey Aishin, you gotta just go at this point. It sounds like you want to go. I wouldn't, I mean, it's not your fault. I wouldn't encourage you to go if you didn't want to go. But at one point you talked about like yeeting from the country. And at this point, I'd support that. I think that's fine for you. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I don't know how any of these love stories would end. I don't think. I think that's the, the magic of this show, is that all of them are pretty uncomfortable pairings. That you're like, I don't know what future you have with any of these men. It seems no. bad any way you put it. It feels like sad ending no matter what. It feels like Hina really, really was making predictions in episode four or whatever. And it's going to be a rough ending. Do you think... The Japanese woman played by the actress who played Yuri is, um, do you think there's going to be more other than her just being like, hey, you're an idiot? Wait, say that one more time. The so, Japanese woman. Yeah, she lives with Dong Mei, I think. Oh, okay. Okay, the the mute fox lady yes okay yes, yes sorry that's going to be very confusing for any listeners that did not watch tale of the nine-tailed so already sorry big sorry confusing for me and yeah. <laughs> i did watch it okay the lady that yeah tells dong Mei his fortune all the time yes what was the question about her um what do you think well, I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't understand um, her role, but it feels big. She doesn't uh -huh. feel like a one-off character. She keeps coming back. She's in the background. She's hovering, but she's not doing anything. It feels like she's maybe going to be something at the end, but she really hasn't done anything so far. No. No. But... <laughs> She comes up in really weird moments and ways, like when he's giving uh -huh. her candy or telling her he didn't run her errands, and I just don't understand how there's one person in this world that can call Dong Mei an idiot and slap him on the arm or whatever, and he's like, that hurts, instead of doing a murder. Uh-huh. And he said that hurts so sadly, it broke my heart a little tiny bit, and you're like, who is this woman? That you can actually say when something hurts. I don't know, man. Oh. What if you were in love with her, Dong Mei? That would be so much easier for everyone, I think, <laughs> if you just picked her. <laughs> or Hina. I don't know, I ship that pretty hard. Yeah, that would be good. What if Hina pairs off with um, Hui Song and you pair off with you, Dong, you being Dong Mei? Dong Mei, you pair off with. Um, I don't know her name. Uh, I don't think she has one. Yeah. And then, um, then Aishin can, you know, live her life. And if she wants to be with Eugene, great. And if Eugene goes back to America, that might be good, too, because I'm real worried about these kids. I don't want anyone to die, and I feel like their love could get someone killed. Yeah. I mean, we haven't even touched on episode eight, like, at all yet. And Dongmei 
straight up shot Aishin. That, I mean, she's gonna die. I feel like he's kind of hunting her at this point, and she's definitely on the right track with being like, I don't know if you could pull the trigger, you little bish. And that, <laughs> that was a cool moment. But also, he maybe could pull the trigger, homegirl. He's a lot more deadly than you think. Like, maybe stop tempting him, because, damn. He doesn't seem like the one to lose a game of chicken. Mm-mm. He's kind of crazy. So, let's be careful when when threatening him. I don't know. Like, I, my dumb, dumb baby heart ships them a little bit, you know, because I'm ruined for a bad boy. But, um... <laughs> I know that he could also murder her and that he might do that for money, apparently. Mm-hmm. That might be something he's open to. If he can't have her, he will kill her and get paid for it. So, so let's not push his buttons as much as we do, okay? Can I ask you what you think the significance of him grabbing her skirt is? Because I have an idea, and I tried to explain it to Jason, but I don't know if it's actually correct. I feel like the significance was... It definitely had something to do with him grabbing her skirts when they were kids. I feel like... Um, it feels like it was some kind of come on. Um, I don't know, like... Like a come on before, I don't know, it kind of felt like a threat in the moment, but... So my guess was that that's something that someone like a rapist would do. It's very much like, like uh, she's made a, a thing about keeping her skirts very low, like when mm -hmm. she's in the shoe shop and putting back on her shoes. When Eugene walks in, she like very quickly covers her ankles and that's like a thing so i'm curious if like anyone who grabs the hem of your skirt is a big old creep who's yeah. threatening you for sure or if it was consensual then they're grabbing your skirt because you know you're about to have the sex you know mm -hmm. but in this case it wasn't consensual it was very surprising clearly and like you said she makes a lot of effort to keep her skirts low and it's almost like, like, yeah, a threat to be like, got your skirt. Yeah. So it's a very interesting moment, both times, both when they're young and in the palaquin and when they're older, where he's doing this thing that's clearly very threatening and very upsetting to her. But he's also kind of saying, like, I'm not that guy. I'm not a guy who would harm you. And you're like, but you're doing the world's creepiest thing. Like, you can say with your words that you wouldn't hurt her, but you're being very threatening. It's an interesting, like, duality to him that I think even he's not quite clear where he stands. And I think it's a really interesting thing that they keep bringing it back up. Yeah. But again, we just don't know enough about Josan and cultural etiquette in old Korea to actually get what's going on. So if somebody could explain it to us, that'd be great. Thanks. Please thanks. <laughs> Please thanks. Um, 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 did you really love her outfit when she got caught sneaking out of the U.S. Embassy? Yes, and her suit? Yeah, and that she was just like walking around in a suit and a hat and looked so chic. Oh my god. Every time she wears that, I'm like, Jason, is she the most beautiful person in the world? Or like, <laughs> she, like her face is just so perfect. It mm -hmm. upsets me. Because she's wearing what almost feels like it's, I mean, it was the 1800s, so I don't think they made women's suits. So it's like a men's suit. And she wears it. They explain that in the next episode. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> but they do explain it. Ooh. Ooh. I think they've hinted at it. So the you first play on Cade like... teaser. Yeah. <laughs> you, can, you can make guesses as to why she has a men's suit. Because they have 
technically told you, but it's not something I ever would have picked up on. Mm-hmm. Now I'm very interested. That's why you binge watch like me. No control. <laughs> no control. Watch it all. Um, I'm going to have to rewatch this whole thing um, anyway, because I am going to, I think, make my boyfriend watch it with me. If Jason likes it, <laughs> Greg will have to oh, let, no. love it I for think sure, Jason right? likes it because he's a history nerd, so yeah. he's like, oh my god, the war. And I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> but the romance, Jason, the romance. And he's hey, like, Jason. I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe you wouldn't like it. Maybe I shouldn't try again. But we just watched a couple series that he picked, so maybe it's his turn. Maybe mm, it... Yeah. Maybe he's got to sit through it. Yeah. Because it is a good show. It's not like it's bad and it's only for girls because it's romantic. Try and get him to watch it. Force it on him. I mean, at one point, pretty early on, and then later it kind of does come back to haunt him, but I wrote down, is Eugene using Asian? That's fucked up, man. But also, like, that's gonna backfire. I thought she kind of figured that out, though. She did, and yeah, that's why it's like, don't use people. Hey, Eugene, like, don't... She seemed kind of okay with it. Like, I feel like that's kind of an end-episode thing, where... She finds out that she's been used and he didn't actually love her. And he's like, but I did actually fall in love with you. I was using you at first, but I did. And that's like such a drama trope. And Mm -hmm. it tears their relationship apart in episode 15, just before they get back together in episode 16 and find out they did love each other. And I was so ready for all of that drama that I didn't want. It's not a trope I enjoy. But then, but, like, one episode later, she's like, oh, you were just using me? And he's like, yeah, sorry. And she's like, it's all good, man. Yeah. I don't know. I think this early on, that's kind of what I wanted, too, like, that it was going to backfire. And then, it, like you said, like, it resolves. But, like, I don't know. It just, it was very unromantic and would have been more romantic if they had put more emotion behind it, I think. And actually had that mm. moment where she was, especially early on, because I do hate that trope later when it is, like, episode 16, and it's like, you were using me all along, and it's like, actually, you have a lot of examples of times he did something that where, like, it was clearly out of love, versus uh-huh. this early on, I think she would have been right to be like, you took advantage of me not knowing what love was and that's a nightmare i can't believe you did that um and then him having to be like hey i'm really sorry i do love you and i haven't had the chance to prove it yet please let me find a way maybe not saying it but like doing the thing and then being like i just needed to prove that i loved you that would have been peak romance um Mm. you know but then it didn't come to anything and so now part of me is like i don't know make him suffer that's so fucked up (laughs) There's no consequences. Ooh, That's make him have, make hey, make a consequence. Mm, okay, I see that. I'm just here for like a very slow no drama because there's so much drama outside of their relationship that I'm fine with not having much drama inside their relationship. Yeah, I mean, I feel That's like That's always enough- my preferred. Yeah, I feel like enough drama will come when they have to confront the fact that she's like actually confront the fact that she's engaged and Mm. actually confront the fact that there's a million men that are in love with her (laughs) that's gonna be plenty to deal with yeah we've got a lot of that to go around and so many episodes to confront it in i know we mentioned it last (laughs) time but y'all this uh, this k-drama is 24 episodes we'll be Mm -hmm. here for a while we'll be here for a while we've got plenty of time for drama if you know any historical facts that might help us enjoy the show more or don't spoil anything but if you're like there's more good coming and you have a lot to look forward to feel free to email us at playonkpodcast at gmail.com yeah or we have our website where you can comment on episodes you can sign up for our uh, newsletters you can find our pa- a link to our Patreon. There's so much you can do on our website. It's playonk.com. Yeah. Actually, 
We always forget, but also on our website we have affiliate links if you want to sign up for NordVPN to protect your internet activities and your passwords and such. Please go to our website and find the affiliate link. Check out NordVPN. I use it all the time and I really like it. And if you're interested in starting your own podcast, we've also got a link for Blueberry Podcast Hosting, which is what we've used and we really, really enjoy. Yeah. So if either of those things would be interesting to you, those are also at playonk.com. Yeah, you guys should check that. I always forget that we have an affiliate page even, um, and they're great affiliates, so check those out. They're great affiliates and great ways to support our podcast while also getting something for yourself. Yeah. Um, We are on the social medias. You can reach us there. We're at PlayOnK on Twitter and at PlayOnK Podcast on Instagram. And we are on lots of streaming platforms. If you listen to us anywhere that you can leave a rating or review, we would so, so appreciate if you did that. We actually got a review this week. Uh. So it'll come late. I hope the person is still listening and knows that we shouted them out. (laughs) Um, because this episode will go up in, in like, two or three weeks, but, um... Yeah, sorry. Sorry, guys. Um, but, yes, it was the sweetest review about how good our partnership is, and it's a race. Who's gonna pull it up first? Okay, I got it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'm so close! (laughs) Okay, go for it. Okay, uh, it's from Canada K-Drama Fan on Apple Podcasts. They said, two friends talk about Korean dramas. Best part is the host's friendship. They're genuinely funny, and their take on whichever drama they're reviewing is always sweet, insightful, and entertaining. And I listen for the reviews, but also because their partnership is so good. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, K-Drama Fan. Thank you, fan. Canada K-Drama Fan. That's just the best. You're the, you're the best. You want to be our friend? Do you want to be our podcast? Do you want to take over our podcast? Because we are really sweet and we just need that good energy. It's some good, good energy and it's carried me through this week. So thank you so much. Thank you. Um. Eee. So yeah, if you leave a review like that, we'll give you a shout out because we just get so excited and happy and we really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you as always for listening and we'll see you next week with episodes 9 through 12 of Mr. Sunshine. Okay, bye. Okay, bye.